This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The Red showing the strength of the pack as Steve Offerigi comes off the bench to see off Wolves. We'll assess the Reds running in the title race and look ahead to the Champions League visit to AC Milan, plus the team selector and match prediction as well. To get into all of that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorse, and the Bramfolks boy himself, Matt Addison. Gents, I hope you're both well and uh, Gorsley well. What a uh, what a delightful weekend for Divock. Certainly was. Um, not a whole lot to write home about in terms of the game. Obviously, Liverpool had a few chances. Wolves content to try and counter Liverpool and looked really dangerous at times. Actually, with Adama Traore and I think Robertson and Firmino picked up a couple of cynical fouls trying to stop him because you know once he gets one v one, he's he's unstoppable really. But yeah, Liverpool uh, just dug in, really, didn't they? It was, it was a weird one in terms of, um, and I think Klopp said this himself, it was a throwback to the 2019-20 season where it wasn't so much the quality of the team that's won the game, it's more just the resolve just to keep plugging away and never giving in and carrying on until the last few seconds. And so it proved to be. I think um, Liverpool got something stupid like 25 points that season from single goal wins and, and that was very much in that kind of genre wasn't it um first time they haven't scored two or more for 18 games and at full time there wasn't anyone who cared anymore about that record when they were all celebrating Dibok Origi's uh, latest uh, feat of heroism um I think Liverpool probably deserved it overall uh Wolves didn't really create too much in terms of opportunities but you can see why that was the first goal they've conceded in 370-something minutes of football. They were really well-drilled, men behind the ball, men willing to put the body on the line so often. And I think the big turning point was when Ryan Aitnori went off in the closing stages. Uh, Keanu Hoover come on in his place. And just before Liverpool score, Hoover's up the other end and loses it, wants a free kick, doesn't get it, can't quite get back into position in time. Salah takes it away from him and then, you know, that's all the space that he needed to get the cross in and Divock Origi finished it off. Um, so I think, you know, Ed Nori did probably the best job I've seen on Salah this season and Wolves are a bit unfortunate that it was him who went off and the youngster come on, but Liverpool wheeled away from Molyneux with the points and uh, another glorious chapter of the uh, Origi story goes on. Yeah, it certainly does. Apologies for any background noise. Clark Towers is going under a uh, a huge renovation, massive, massive redevelopment. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, Matt, in terms of it, Gorsley there mentioned Keanu Hoover, and obviously former Liverpool man. I suppose the one man you don't want to run down the length of the pitch and give the ball straight to is Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then see Liverpool flip the ball over and turn it down the other end of the pitch and get themselves the goal from the Wolves' perspective. But interesting point made in terms of the title-winning season. Of course, we look back on it now, a 99-point season, and the rose-tinted glass. wasn't really the case. There were a lot of single-goal wins and this kind of a, a play out of that kind of playbook for, for Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Yeah, I think we, we lost you there for a second, but I think I, I got the gist of, of the point you were making, which was, you know, the, the resilience, the fact that Liverpool just sort of kept going and, and kept going. And it, it did kind of feel a little bit to, to me like the, the Aston Villa win a couple of seasons ago, where it was a case of, of Liverpool banging on the door and eventually getting that job done, getting the, the late winner. And 
look, it's it's not necessarily a turning point in in a season. It's not a season that Liverpool have, have had to have a turning point. But I think the fact that they did just keep going, the fact that Divock Origi has, has popped up with the late goal, I mentioned this on a podcast over the weekend, I think it, it just helps in terms of, of the mentality as much as, as anything else. Obviously, in terms of, of the Liverpool players themselves, they've got that mentality. They know now that if it takes to the 93rd minute, 94th minute, they can still get the the points in, in that situation. But it's also a message to to the other teams as well. I mean, if 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 a team is in a similar position to Wolves, they'll always have that in the back of their mind now moving forwards so that, that Liverpool have, have got the evidence that they can just keep going and keep chipping away. And eventually they, they did take one of those chances. I mean, they had sort of five or six really that they on another day could have, have scored and as much as, as Wolves did really well. I mean, there's no doubt that, that Liverpool deserved it. It was just a, a case really of, of Divock Origi letting Diogo Jota off the hook for that miss. So, yeah, it, it, it's one that Liverpool will obviously celebrate and, and feel like it was was a big one for, for the way it happened. But, yeah, there, there's no doubt in my mind that it, it should have been should have been slightly easier, I think, with a, a couple of, of the missed chances. In the end, they got the job done, and, and that's the main thing. But I think, uh, yeah, a big one for, for the mentality in, in both regards. Yeah, it goes, I suppose, quite far to, to show how well Norley played, of course, that you mentioned that saw over the weekend off the back of that performance in, in getting linked with a £30 million move to Paris Saint-Germain. So who who knows indeed with, with that one. But in terms of Liverpool and I suppose the way in which they played and got the job done, Divock Origi coming off the bench, an awful lot of the talk since has been about Divock Origi and how he's kind of been this nomadic figure from those looking from the outside into to Liverpool and how he's gone about his business. But this is a player who has been one of the longest serving members of the squad under Jurgen Klopp. And Jurgen Klopp, very, very quick to shower him in praise, but equally at the same time say, hey, if I was a manager lower down the league, I'd immediately be looking to bring him in and half kind of trying to sell him whilst I suppose he's, he's stocked high. Yeah, uh, I mean, Klopp came out didn't he, after the he started at AC Milan, uh, or rather against AC Milan, and basically said that he was anticipating interest in the summer for Origi and kind of expected them to move on, and, and that never happened. And he was kind of putting them in the shot window again, in a way, wasn't he? After Saturday, saying that you know if I was a manager, I'd, I'd be lining up to buy him, and hopefully the ne- next manager he has plays him more than I will. Almost a kind of acceptance that he's going to move on. At some point, it certainly won't be January, um, particularly with Salah and Mane off to the Africa Cup of Nations. So he's got another, what, six months or so as a Liverpool player at least. Um, but it really is one of the strangest, most sporadic kind of Liverpool careers. Um, joined in 2014, went on loan for a season at, at Lille. Um, the only player who's, who's been at the club longer than, than him now is Jordan Henderson as a Liverpool player or employee. Um, come back. Klopp's first season, you know, obviously the uproar with Brendan Rodgers or the upheaval rather, and then coming, he was Klopp's main number nine for a while, wasn't he? And, and as Klopp referenced it today, that injury he got in the Merseyside derby against Everton in April 2016, he never quite returned to those kind of heights because he was playing every week and his goal return was really good at the time. Um, he said that he played in Dortmund in a Europa League game in a one-all draw and Rigi scored in that one and, you know, all of his... Friends at Dortmund were asking what kind of player that um, he had on the hands. Um, and it's never quite worked for him since. He's obviously got some iconic moments in there, but he's never never got too much of a start and run. He's been out on loan at Wolfsburg and um, 
Wolves actually were interested at one point and Klopp was expecting them to move on the summer. And yet, here he still is. You know, what is it now coming into 2022? So it's nearly eight years as a Liverpool player and he's still here and still contributing here and there. So there's still a little bit left of his story to write, but uh, we'll see what, uh, what what's in store for over the next few months. Can you imagine that, that this, I suppose, reaching, we would say, prime years of his career, 26, that he's going to be a player happy to sit it out and continue to play this bit part role? Because at the end of the day, whilst he's not maybe playing an awful lot of football, if you're Divock Origi, it's, it's kind of all going all right because he, he seems to have this knack of stepping up in those crucial moments. and He will forever be synonymous, of course, with number six. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, for for him, for for his perspective, I'm sure at some point in his career, he'd, he'd probably like to, to go and play a little bit more regularly. But I suppose at the same time, you know that, I mean, obviously there wasn't really last season, but the season before, there were certainly a lot of moments where he stepped up and, and, and did some big things in, in big games. And Liverpool are never going to have a, a huge squad, are they, under Jurgen Klopp? We know that he likes to, to work with a small number of players generally uh, compared to, to certain other teams in the league. And I think that there's always going to be opportunities for Origi to, to show what he can do. I mean, he still does frustrate me a little bit. And I think that he's got a lot of quality and, and we don't see it really consistently enough. I think there's there's still a better player than, than what we've seen in him uh, over the, the last sort of few months. But look, if he if he can keep coming up with, with little moments like that, if you're playing for a club as, as big as Liverpool, he obviously loves being at the club and, and being within the city. He's got his university scholarship and, and all the rest of it that he's sort of put together over the, the last few months whilst he's been here. I mean, he's obviously enjoying himself and, and you can kind of understand it from that perspective. I think it'd be interesting if, if somebody did come in for him. Again, obviously, we know Wolves and, and other teams have, have looked at him. I wonder if there was maybe an offer from you know, a Champions League club, maybe in Spain or in Italy or somewhere like that. That might really tempt him. But yeah, at the moment, as strange as it is, yeah, you'd be happy with a few little moments, wouldn't you? I'm sure there's there's a lot of players out there who'd like to, to come on for 10 minutes here and there in, in big Champions League games or come on and, and save Liverpool and, and score a last-minute winner every so often. So, yeah, he could be could be in a far worse position. I don't think Gorsley would mind it one bit if it were to, to happen. But in terms of the game, getting back to the win over Wolves and Bruno Large, the, the, the Wolves manager, thought it was a really great quote from him after the game, speaking about the midfield and how Liverpool just dominated. That's a Thiago and Fabinho confused us. Now, we have seen this midfield dynamic against uh, Everton and against Wolves now with Fabinho, Thiago and, and Jordan Henderson all in there. And I suppose... Off the back of that West Ham game going into the international break, there was a lot of talk about how Liverpool were conceding goals. Now, yes, Joao Matip's coming to that back two alongside Virgil van Dijk, and we know the relationship they've got, but it shows that level of control Liverpool have when they can get that midfield on the pitch together, what it can bring for them. But obviously, as we know, and Jordan Henderson, the, the latest example, it's always fitness permitting, Gorsley. It is. Um, so where are we now? December 2021. So when, when Thiago joined in September of, of 2020, I think everyone kind of thought that that would be the first choice midfield in the end and then and Alden would be the first reserve. I don't think they'd have thought that we'd be talking on this podcast 14 months later, saying that we've only started, what is it now, five games together. Um, it's just in, incredible what, what's happened with the amount of injuries and obviously half of them were playing at centre-back last season and whatever else. Um, we've, we've spoken about that 
you know, a million and one times, haven't we, on this podcast? But now you finally get to see what they're all about as, as a tandem, as a trio. And it's almost the perfect blend for me. You know, you've got Thiago's kind of array of passing who can play anyone in, you know, in, in any area of the pitch. And I think, to be fair to him, he's added a little bit of a tenacious kind of pressing style to his game in the last, well, certainly probably this season. You know, a couple of times on Saturday, he was nipping in there first ahead of one or two. And he was always kind of <clears throat> willing to jump on the back of Traore. You know, he was never going to win that in, in a battle of strengths. But, you know, he, he did his best and did enough at times to keep the ball away from the danger areas. Henderson, we know all about him. He was absolutely superb on Wednesday against Everton. And Fabinho, for me, is Liverpool's most important midfielder, just sitting at that base and protecting the the uh, the back two, essentially, isn't it? When the fullbacks go go off on their many runs, you've got Van Dijk, Matip and Fabinho there, shield and everything. So it is uh, the perfect blend for me. And the more Liverpool can get them on the pitch together, the more chance they've got of success. And then if you can chop and change it here and there with the odd game for Milner or Oxlade-Chamberlain or Curtis Jones, who's on his way back and Naby Keita's back in training. So... The picture looks a lot <clears throat> healthier than it did for Liverpool, what, just two, three weeks ago when it was, you know, uh, if you, you're a fit midfielder, then you, you're, you're going to be starting. So, um, yeah, let's hope um, everyone can stay fit. So far, so good over the last few weeks. And um, Liverpool are scoring goals and they're not conceding. And <clears throat> now they're up to second and nothing only up, I think. It was a difficult game, wasn't it, for, for Liverpool? But the fact that they've got over the line and they've done it, it sort of proves to them, proves to, to each other that they can keep going and keep doing that. And I think the, the squad depth thing is is interesting as well, isn't it? Obviously, there's been a few questions about sort of getting Takumi Minamino and Divock Origi mm-hmm. in rhythm ahead of AFCON. And that's something that Jürgen Klopp was, was asked about as well, obviously, in his press conference today. And look, every little moment will, will help. If Origi can do that once or twice during January, that... Might be might be an important one for for the end of this season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with probably a lesser extent to Rigi in terms of needing the rhythm. Um, I think Klopp said today he doesn't particularly need it, does he? And, that, and that's one of the skill sets that he can just kind of tune into a game with fifteen minutes left and um, do the business. I think Minamino's a different kind of animal where he might need five or six games to get up to speed, and we've never really seen that, have we? As a Liverpool player, because you know playing leader of people ahead of him in the pecking order, um, I wouldn't be playing Takumi Minamino for the sake of of playing him though at the moment. I think if he ha- if he has to come in in January, then and so be it. But I wouldn't be resting a Sadio Mane or, or certainly a Mo Salah just for the for the sake of that. I think uh, I wrote it in the, the Blood Red column on on Saturday that I think the Afghan hype's been overblown a little bit. Obviously, Liverpool is still trying to get dispensation for Mane, Salah and Keita to be part of the game against Chelsea on the 2nd of January. Chelsea in their their corner are doing exactly the same for Edouard Mendy and Hakim Ziyech. So, you know, if a compromise can be found, then these players might only miss two games. Uh, Crystal Palace uh, away and Brentford at home. Um, not exactly the most daunting fixtures to, to be without you. Okay, they are key men, but you'd fancy Liverpool to still get through those games without those two. The FA Cup game, they probably wouldn't be playing it anyway. Um, the potential of a Carabao Cup semi-final where they, they might be playing, but we've got to wait and see how Liverpool do against Leicester. So I do think that this idea that it's all going to fall to pieces in January because there's no Salah or Mane has been exaggerated a little bit. And I think maybe some people are just thinking that the fixture list is going to be as 
jam-packed as it is in December, as it is in January, which is um, totally not the case. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We were saying about Jota and, and Firmino. Yeah. So there is there is still a, a little bit of depth there for Liverpool. And as you say, I mean, there's a couple of Carabao Cups, a couple of, of FA Cups in there. I mean, Mohamed Salah and, and Sadio Mane, I'm sure, would want to play in those games. But the chances of them being there for, for those matches probably quite slim, given obviously Jurgen Klopp's selection in those tournaments in the past. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, you wonder if, if Liverpool do get to the semi-finals, you wonder whether Klopp would start playing the likes of, of Salah and Mane. Um, you might have to go back to the last time Liverpool were in a semi-final of the, of the League Cup, which was 20... Was it 16, was it? it Maybe early 17 when Southampton beat them and yeah. they went to the final. You'd have to kind of check to see what the team was as for clues for that. But at the moment, I suppose Liverpool don't have to think too hard about it, do they? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not sure about the wisdom of bringing someone in in January when, as I mentioned there, about the games aren't coming as thick and fast as they are in December for Liverpool. You know, notoriously maybe signings have to take time to adapt at Liverpool. You know, Ben Davis come in last January, never got on the pitch, did he, for Liverpool? And now he's on loan at Sheffield United. Those anchor back. He was sent back to Schalke and now he's at Norwich. Um, we've seen Costas Simakas take the best part of a year before he's fully settled in as a as a Liverpool player. And even going back before that, Fabinho and Andy Robertson. So I think this idea of bringing someone in in January just to cover the loss of Mane and or Salah doesn't really work in practical, real terms. Um, as much as Liverpool fans would love an option and love someone else to, to um, shoulder the burden, I just think how much of that is fueled by this desire just to see a shiny new signing. Um, we know how much um, they are coveted in the um, months where players can trade. So I'm not sure. I, st- I still think Liverpool... I mean, I, I do think that they were going into the season at a forward short anyway, but I think at this stage, the way things are going, Firmino's returning, Jota's red hot, and the fact that Mane and Salah might only miss two games of, of action. And that's only if Senegal play Egypt in the final as well, by the way. Liverpool are probably going to dispatch a private Jess out, out there to get one or two or three of them back at the same time. Um and I fully expect them all to be in the squad for the game against, is it Leicester, in early February. Um, might not certainly be starting that, but, um, you know, don't think Liverpool are going to be missing these players for half a dozen games and the season's going to completely fall away. No, absolutely. Just looked up the, the team for the, the second leg, at least, of, of that Southampton game in 2017. There was Henderson, Firmino, Sturridge, Coutinho... Trent played, Carrius was in goal. He would have been the, the number one at that time. So it was a, a fairly strong team. But I suppose, you know, given the choice, you'd rather these players missed maybe one of, of those matches rather than a Premier League or, or a Champions League match. And, and certainly the, the number of those that they'll miss will be slim. So we can expect plenty of, of changes then. We can probably expect plenty of changes for Liverpool tomorrow night as well, given that they mm-hmm. are through in the Champions League. Jurgen Klopp wasn't giving away a whole amount in terms of the specifics today, but he did kind of basically say that, didn't he? There's going to be changes. It's yeah. not necessarily going to be 11, but we're probably not going to see the full team either. No, that's it. I think um, there's, a, there's a kind of strand of thought amongst fans 
for games like this when Liverpool don't need to. And if the, everyone has a laugh and a joke and he starts it, let's play, you know, Sammy Lee at left back, let's play Carroll and Caroline up front. But the reality is much different in terms of players needing rhythm and, you know, keeping up this kind of run of good form. And the fact that Liverpool want to finish the Champions League campaign on a high and the uh, fact that it's probably worth around about 2.2 million or something like that for Liverpool if they win. So, um, we're expecting changes, but I certainly don't expect it to be um, a scenario where it was Harvey Blair started, for example, in, in the League Cup against Preston. And I think that took even season watches of the academy football by surprise, didn't it? But um, Elijah Dixon Bonner was was training with the, the squad today. Tyler Morton, uh, almost certain to start, I'd imagine. Uh, Dixon Bonner maybe as well. But generally, I mean, we'll come on to our team selection in a minute, I think, but I think it'll still be a fairly strong team because it's just the level of squad that Liverpool have got at the moment, isn't it? Um, you know, four top centre-backs, um, maybe a little bit of question marks over the strength and depth at right-back, but Nico Williams is perfectly fine for a game like this. Uh, Costa Simakas has been getting rave reviews this summer. Um, Cleveland Kelleher might come in for Allison. Um it's just a midfield, isn't it? You know, there's been quite a few injuries in there. Milner's not long back. Um, Keita is back in training, but he hasn't played for a few weeks now. Um, so I don't think many come off, was it? Wasn't Arsenal, was it? Was it before then? Before the international league? Before, I think it must have been. I'm not sure, though. Not sure. Yeah, he had, he had a couple of injuries in the same week, didn't he? But then it was only the second one that, that kept him out. But... Yeah. Um, but I, I don't expect it to be Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho. And I think Klopp said... The medical departments have massive says at this time of year, and he said that they'd, uh, they'd look to smash him if he just picked the same 11 as uh, Wednesday and Saturday. So um, we are expecting changes, but I don't think it's going to be a case of Owen Beck at left back and, you know, whoever up front, um, Max Botman. I think it will be fairly strong with um, possibly a big night for Tyler Morton and Liverpool's. Um, First visit to the San Siro to play AC Milan, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Jurgen Klopp's first visit there as well. I know he was was excited about that. I mean, we saw obviously the open training session earlier. There was no Thiago, Jota and, and Henderson's. That's probably a sign that they're maybe not going to be involved, but not necessarily anything to uh, to worry about on that front mm-hmm. in terms of injuries or, or anything like that. Just played a, a lot of football recently and it does make sense to give them the night off. But I suppose that the only thing in terms of the result that it would make some sort of difference for Liverpool is that they could become the first team to win all six group games from England. I think Bayern and Barca and one or two other teams have, have done it, but no team from England has ever done it. Do you think that's important at all? Would that be a, a nice achievement for the players to, to get done or does it just not really matter? Uh, it won't be the overriding thought going into the game, will it? But it would be nice just to take a little little slice of history, wouldn't it? You know, clock. Klopp was saying a few weeks ago that this team loved to create history and love to, you know, go on these runs. And it's not the kind of hugely motivating factor that some might think it is, but it's nice to have. Um, but I think that's just that'll just be a byproduct of them trying to win the match. Um, not not too sure where about AC Milan are at the moment. They've obviously been. Struggling for the best part of a decade, haven't they, since the last one Serie A, but lately it seems as though they are back on stable footing with some exciting young players and a little bit of experience blended in there as well. So it's not um, kind of the ageing stars who are well past their best now. It's, you know, a nice little mix. But um, 
aside from a little bit of a crazy five or ten minutes at the end of the first half in September, Liverpool were comfortably the better side that night. And I think Klopp made quite a few changes that night as well, didn't he? I think Gomez started, Origi obviously set up Salah, a wonderful flick over the top. And, and that was a bit of a surprise to see Origi start on that one. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool will go there fairly confident, knowing that they don't have to win it. You know, it's an iconic venue to play your football, it's the Champions League. So I think whoever lines up will be motivated to get the win. And then it's just a case of whether the um, the deputies are good enough to, to beat AC Milan. But either way, it's, it's going to be a, um, a good night for the fans who are going over there because they, they don't have to win it, they don't need to win it. But it'll still be an incredible experience, you know, before the San Siro. Is it knocked down or AC Milan moving, moving stadiums? Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, they're building, building a new one, aren't they? So it's uh, the, the last opportunity to, to go over and play there, which, again, is, is it's just something to relish, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible, really, when, when you look at these two teams. It was a, um, 15 Champions Leagues between them, or 13, 12. Certainly quite a few, anyway. Obviously, they've won 13, six I think, times. isn't it? Seven and six. Milan won seven. Um, two of <clears throat> the greatest names in European football, and they've only ever met at the final stage, which is um, bizarre when you think Liverpool have played Porto and Atletico Madrid seemingly about six times each in the last three or four years. Um, so, yeah, we're not going over there to Milan, but I think for those who are, it'll be uh, an occasion to relish. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it'll be an occasion to relish for the players that start there as well. So we'll uh, just finish off the the podcast with our team selections, as we usually do, just the the two of us on at the moment. So it won't take quite as long as it usually does. But uh, I think we can uh, can both agree that it'll be Alisson probably who will stay in goal. But I suppose actually there could be an argument for for someone else to come in. But you reckon it probably is, is the Brazilian in goal? Yeah, possibly. You don't really need to rest your goalkeepers, do you? He only tends to do that in the domestic cups. So you could make a case for Kelleher, but don't see any reason why Alisson wouldn't play. No, I think I'll uh, I'll go with, with Alisson as well. No reason to, to take him out. The, the back four, be a few more changes in there, I would imagine. We don't quite know whether Joe Gomez is ready to play in this one or not. That'll kind of come down to the medical department, but I think it's pretty safe to say we know the left-back is going to be Costas Simikas and probably the right-back as well. Probably it's not going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold, I wouldn't have thought it would be a, a change and Nico coming in there. But what do you think it, it might be at centre-back? Do you think if Joe Gomez is fit, it, it will be him or is that maybe too much of a risk? Yeah, well, well Klopp said today um, the players come back from injury. So that's Keaton Gomez. He said um, they're fit enough to play, but don't know how how many minutes they've got in the legs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we don't expect either of them to start, to be honest, because as you said, they've, they've probably got less than 45 minutes in them and I'm not a fan of making changes before half-time. So um, I think the centre-back pairing might be stronger than you'd expect, you know, without looking at it the way we have there. Um, I imagine it'd be Canate. I think it might be Van Dijk, actually. Um think if it's Van Dijk or Matip, I think the worry is Matip is much more likely to break down than, than Van Dijk. So I think Liverpool will be fairly strong at the back, actually. Got, um, Nico Williams, as you say, and Kostas Simakas was nailed on. And he, he was the player Liverpool put up today alongside Klopp. So that would be the, the back five for me. 
Yeah, I think I'd go with with Matip over Van Dijk. I know obviously Van Dijk is is slightly more reliable, but he's played quite a lot of, of football really, probably a lot more than we all thought so far this season. Mm-hmm. So I'd be be taking the opportunity to to take him out. I think Canate is is pretty much a, a certainty. We'll move on to the midfield, which is slightly more interesting. James Milner is suspended, so he can't play. But I suppose he would have been one that would have had the, the opportunity to, to come in for this one had he not picked up that yellow card. Obviously, didn't fancy a, a trip over to <laughs> Milan. But um, I suppose Tyler Morton, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, probably two. But then it's 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 one more, isn't it? I'm not quite sure who that would be. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It would have been Milner, but... He's obviously spied himself a night off and picked up a, a cynical one against Porto with the old um, wily campaigner that he is. Um, I can't see I can't see Dixon Bonner starting if Morton is. I think Morton is pretty certain to start, isn't he? Given he started against Porto and played really well. To be fair to him, snapped into tackles, crucial interception in the first half, and. Got Liverpool away for the second goal, didn't he, with the ball across to Salah and Henderson. So I think he'll play. Um, and then Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I think it might be Henderson. Yeah, it, it does feel like a bit of a risk if you put Fabinho in there, doesn't it? It's one of those. I think he might do that just because he's the only number six, really, isn't he? Obviously, Henderson can play there if you need him to, but... It does feel like a, a little bit of an unnecessary one to, to put Fabinho in there, yeah. I suppose, for, for Henderson as well. But yeah, Fabinho, I think I think I, I'd put money on it being Fabinho over Henderson just because of, of the minutes they've played. But I think, it, yeah, either way, it would seem a little bit of a risk. I think there might be a, a little bit of a risk as well in the front line and as much as Mohamed Salah, I think, will play. I think it'll be Minamino and Origi alongside him. But just from, from what Klopp said today, it, it did sound... A little bit like he was gearing up to, to give Salah maybe an hour and, and then take him off. Yeah, I think there'll be a few kind of pre predetermined changes more there. Certainly around about the fifty five minute marks, hour mark. Um because they can make five changes and I think that makes a massive difference, doesn't it, to yeah. to managers. I think Klopp's said that a few times. I know Pep Guardiola is a big fan of it too and just gives you the opportunity to rest a few legs. It's uh, difficult to keep up when you know there's ten substitutes made in a game, but I think ultimately if players are getting staying fitter and not getting injured, then that's to be a good thing for the game. Um so yeah, I think Salah out of the three Jotter and Mane, I think he would be the one who'd be getting started. And then um Riga down the middle and Minamino off the left. Yeah, it's it's not a bad front three, that is it? It's certainly one that could get the result for Liverpool if they want to go for it. Again, it's a really tough one to sort of decide what the result might be, but we'll make our own guesses in terms of, of what it'll be. I'm probably going to go for a draw, I think. I think Liverpool know it. It doesn't particularly matter. Obviously, Salah will want to score, but Jurgen Klopp will have in the back of his mind that he's going to take him off at some point. Milan weren't particularly impressive at Anfield, but maybe at home they can offer a little bit more. So I think I'll go for maybe 1-1. What do you reckon it might be? Yeah, I mean, even just the fact that Liverpool have qualified, just subconsciously, there's that kind of yeah. few percent drop-off, isn't there? Um, and Porto had chances, actually, a couple of weeks ago, but they're, they're, not, they're not great, are they? Liverpool did enough in the end, but I think this might be a little bit difficult, different, a little bit more different in terms of it being the San Siro and Milan 
you know, a home, even though it's not a vintage Milan side, I think Liverpool will do well to, to get a draw. Yeah, well, whatever the result is, Liverpool are through and it will, of course, be a great experience for the young players. Tyler Morton, I'm sure, will start and be a great one for him to be involved in. But I think that just about brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks to Ghosty for joining me and for Guy for about five minutes until his internet <laughs> went off as well. We'll have all of the coverage of the game in all of the usual places. But until next time, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.